I'm only human after all And you're only human after all Don't put the blame on me Welcome to Ponder Exchange, a podcast about Christian faith and armed service hosted by me, Brother Logan Isaac. First Formation is spiritual exercise for high church lowlifes looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join us every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 87 On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Among those who know me I mentioned Rahab and Babylon, Philistia too, and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in it, for the Most High himself will establish it. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born there. Singers and dancers alike say, all my springs are in you. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 8 through 13. Bring forth the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. Let all the nations gather together, and let the peoples assemble. Who among them declared this, and foretold to us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to justify them, and let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed, when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, says the Lord. I am God, and henceforth I am He. There is no one who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can hinder it? Romans chapter 11, verses 13 through 29. Now I am speaking to you, Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I glorify my ministry in order to make my own people jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, then the branches are also holy. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in their place to share the rich root of the olive tree, do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. You will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, perhaps he will not spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And even those of Israel, if they do not persist in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you have been cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? So that you may not claim to be wiser than you are, brothers and sisters, 
I want you to understand this mystery. A hardening has come upon part of Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. Out of Zion will come the Deliverer. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved. For the sake of their ancestors, for the, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Good morning on this 12th Tuesday after Pentecost. My name is Chris Chavez, broadcasting from Williamsburg, Virginia. I'm standing in today for Logan, who is feeling a bit under the weather, so please, when you when you get a chance today, just uh, say a quick prayer for his, his speedy recovery. Today's readings come from Psalm 87, Isaiah 43, and Romans 11. The Romans reading really resonated with me personally because Paul's writing to a group of people who's been a source of considerable controversy in the church. You get a bit of a whiplash when comparing our reading from Romans today to yesterday's scripture reading. Yesterday's reading from Acts 15 highlighted this controversy well, especially surrounding the issue of circumcision and, and whether new Gentile Christian converts should be forced to adhere to Jewish law. We saw at the end of yesterday's reading that it took Peter stepping in and adjudicating the issue, deciding that it was not necessary for new believers to follow Jewish law because they were saved by God's grace alone, just like the Jewish converts to the faith. So, with all the fighting about the status of these new Gentile believers being second-class citizens in the eyes of some of these, these Jewish converts, here's Paul writing to another group of Gentiles, this time in Rome, telling them not to get too cocky about their faith. He's telling them not to look down their noses at Israel, where many people were struggling to figure out how Jesus being the Messiah fits into their well-established traditions that have lasted for millennia. Most of those people would never recognize that fact. He's also saying that he's spending so much time with the Gentiles so that maybe some of his own people, the Jewish people, would get jealous and come to the faith out of envy. Paul reminds the Roman church that even though they are beginning to thrive, they are transplants into a very, very old culture. He tells them that they can never replace God's chosen people in God's eyes. Paul compares the Roman church to a wild olive shoot that was grafted onto a well-manicured, cultivated olive tree, the roots of which, in this case, represent Israel. He goes on to say that, if God clipped the non-believers from his chosen people off of this metaphorical tree, he could, one, graft them right back on when they came back to the faith, and two, he could cut the grafted pieces, the Gentile converts off, just as easy should they lose their way. What a brutally honest way to keep the Roman church humble. He's basically telling them that you think you're special, and you absolutely are special but you're not God's chosen people special. Some of them may be lost now, but they could be brought right back into the fold as if they had never left. Not only that, but if God cut them out, what do you think he could do to you should you lose your way? I have two daughters and 
Paul's letter to the Romans, when viewed in context with the conversations occurring in, in Acts, reminds me a lot of when one of my daughters gets in trouble for something and, and gets sent off to her room, and, and the other will look at my wife and I and say something like, I can't believe that she would argue with you. What was she thinking? We'll often respond with something like, Hey, didn't we just send you to your room like an hour ago for the exact same thing? Perhaps if you and your sister worked together and didn't fight over toys or what to watch on TV so much, maybe we wouldn't have so much trouble. I think that's basically what Paul is telling the church in Rome. He's telling them that they and Israel are part of the same family. And at some point, the wayward members of that family would return. And when they did, all would be elevated together as believers in the one true faith. All believers in Christ, regardless of where they came from, would bask in the glory of God together. That's the goal, right? Unity in Christ's church is the foundation upon which everything else is built. And it's clear that the issues that they are having in the first century, in our reading, we're still having today. Just as in Paul's day, the divisions in the church are man-made and only serve to weaken the church. Not only that, but they also distract the church from the ultimate goal, which, just like Paul writes about in today's reading, is to bring non-believers to the faith. Some of us get real arrogant when we think about our own faith, but we must be mindful that this arrogance is dangerous and counterproductive to Christ's teaching. Just as Christ humbled himself, we too must be humble and set aside our grievances to finally bring the whole Christian family together once and for all. Let us pray. A Prayer for the Unity of the Church from the Book of Common Prayer O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace seriously to lay to heart the great dangers that we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice, and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord that, as, as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so we may be all of one heart and one soul, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and charity, and may with one mind and one mouth glorify Thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for the mission of the church from the Book of Common Prayer. Ever-living God, whose will it is that all should come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, inspire our witness to him, that all may know the power of his forgiveness and the hope of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.